Welcome all to a special episode of Here for Good. We have a rare opportunity today to hear directly from our community partners in Israel, from St. Louis's sister cities, Yokniam and Megiddo. I'm Karen Scher, Federation's Vice President for Community Engagement. Welcome to our 14th Here for Good podcast. When we talk about how our ongoing 100 Days to Make an Impact campaign makes a difference for Jews here in St. Louis and around the world, our relationships in Yokniam and Megiddo are key to our efforts in Israel. There, we have supported the successful integration of Ethiopian immigrants into the Jewish state through a number of programs through the Yokniam municipality, and we support programs for youth at risk living on Moshavim in the Megiddo region. And we keep in close contact with people on the ground to ensure that your money can continues to be used wisely and effectively. Recently, Mindy Fredman, our Vice President for Community Impact, went to Yokniam and Megiddo to talk with key leaders there, including our Federation representative and the Jewish Agency Partnership Director. Mindy taped their discussion for use on our podcast. The interview covers a wide range of topics and demonstrates clearly the importance of our continued investment in our partnership region. Here's Mindy's interview. Okay, I am here in Israel with Eliad Eliyahu Ben Shushan, who is the partnership director for the Jewish Agency for Israel, and Yaron Yavelberg, who is the federation representative for both Jewish Federation of St. Louis and Atlanta. We have a partnership in Yokniam, Megiddo, with the Jewish Federation of St. Louis and the Jewish Federation of Atlanta. This partnership has been around now for almost 25 years, and we are so proud of the work that we're doing together and what we have accomplished. So I'm delighted that Eliad and Yaron are here to talk a little about the history and a little about the impact of that partnership today. Do you want to start a little, Eliad, about the Jewish agency and some background? Okay, so actually the partnership together unit was established in 1994, uh, and as we all know about the history of the Jewish agency, established 1929, and most of the time they wanted to make sure that all Jews all around the world will not suffer from poverty and people that can uh, be protected from riots that were in other communities, and of course fundraising for the Jewish community in Israel. From one year to another, 1948, the May, when the state was established, the main goal was about Aliyah making sure that every Jew all around the world will be able to come and make Aliyah uh, to Israel. And the Jewish Agency helped to bring over 3 million Jews uh, from all around the world. Wow. to Yes, yes. And, and from one year to another, the Jewish Agency uh, listened to the needs of all the communities all around the world, and of course the community here in Israel. And they decided to develop the partnership unit, which create more personal relationships between Israelis uh, to Jewish communities all around the world. Uh, mainly the vision is that more and more people don't have the same attitude and connection to Israel as it was in the past. If some In the past, Israel was something that united people. Sometimes it even comes to controversial issues. Uh, and the idea was to create those personal relationships by dividing the state of Israel into units. And each unit is connected to a different part in the world. Uh, so n- nowadays we have, we have 47 units. Uh, Cleveland with Bechian, uh, Arava with Australia. So it's really partnerships all over the world, all not just the, world. the United States. Yes, yes, all over the world. I think that Atlanta and St. Louis are best, more than lucky to be connected to Yoknam and Megiddo. Absolutely, we have the best partnership yeah. out there, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there are many, many uh, reasons why. And I think that uh, 
Uh, actually, first of all, the region is like a microcosm of all Israel. Uh, Can you the, talk a little about that? Little yeah, about okay. That. So the uh, Yokonam and Megiddo, so Yokonam is a city, uh, over 25,000 uh, citizens. And Megiddo is a regional council that has uh, three moshavim, uh, one moshava and nine kibbutzim. So actually, all kinds of way of all kinds of settlements uh, in Israel, and a smaller population there, right? You're There's right. only thirteen thousand people. Thirteen thousand. Yes, exactly. And I think that uh, the fact that uh, actually in the community you have uh, new immigrants and you have people that uh, actually born and raised in Israel uh, from 1935, and we have uh, even pluralism with the denominations. So we have conservative uh, movement and we have reform movement. And all orthodox, which is not something very common in Israel. Only in the last years, it's something that started to be more and more common. Uh, so really what you're seeing all over Israel, you're also seeing right here in your Right here in our Nikita. region. And I think that for the tw- almost 25 years with uh, St. Louis, uh, the connection to, to our region is so strong. And uh, now I'm going to forward the microphone to Yohani Averbeck to explain those kind of connections that we have and the impact of the Federation in our region. Thank you, Eliad. <laughs> and hello, St. Louis. I'm very proud and honored to be a representative here in the region. So during the 1990s, uh, 1992, is the peak of the Aliyah from Ethiopia that I'm going to uh, expand a little bit in a minute, but at this time, most of the Olim from Ethiopia were scattered around Israel in a sort of a transitional camp that was supposed to be temporary, but in Israel everything that is temporary became permanent, and it so became that for years they, they were uh, still in, in these transitional camps. One of them was in Atlit, which is not far from Yoknam. At this time, in 1992, the mayor of Yoknam at that time, Simon, Mr. Simon Alfasi, who is still the mayor today, um, being himself an immigrant from Morocco, came in at the age of 16 and still carrying the feelings of, the, of, of discrimination and fighting for his place that he had. So he was uh, among the only mayor that, mayors that uh, actually went down to one of these camps in Atlit and invited 30 families from Ethiopia to move, in, to move into Yoknam, which was very rare. Most of the mayors at that time didn't want to absorb this Olim. So uh, he invited these 30 families. And uh, two years after that, in 1994, the Federation uh, of Atlanta uh, contributed to uh, establishment of a memorial to those Jews from Ethiopia that perished on the way from Sudan. We're talking about 4,000 more than 4,000 people that died on the way from Sudan. So there was a, a, re, a mega community mission from Atlanta coming to, to open this, uh, this uh, site, this memorial, to, to honor it. And that was actually the beginning of the partnership between uh, Atlanta and Yoknam. A few years later, as part of the Jewish Agency's vision of partnerships, uh, the Regional Council of Megiddo also joined because it's a neighboring uh, uh, part the neighboring municipality to Yoknam, and uh, the Jewish community of St. Louis was also invited to join. And this is how uh, this partnership was established and still uh, running until today with two municipalities from Israel, both of them in the social periphery, although many things has changed. Yoknam at that time was a 5,000 
citizens, very rural, minor, with one, one old uh, technology industry uh, that was going down, very high rates of unemployment. And today it's a whole different story. But and we, we have people from St. Louis who have visited the region over time. And I was just mentioning I led a singles mission here right. in the late 1990s. And to see that it was a rural town, that there wasn't the vibrancy and the life and the business that, that there is now in Yokneam. And then to bring groups now and really see how it's a thriving, high-tech hub, it's really incredible um, to see the growth, and and we're really proud of you know any role that we've been able to to play in that. Right, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, significant yeah, it's a significant role. So tell me a little about the makeup of Megiddo. Um, so Megiddo, as Eliad says, is consisted of nine kibbutzim and three moshavim. It's a different way of community living, with the kibbutzim being much more about shared. Uh, property and, and so on. The, the, the Moshevim were much more agricultural with private property. And throughout the years, uh, due to different uh, sociological reasons, it became that a gap started to, to be created between the socioeconomic level of the Moshevim and the Kibbutzim that mostly affect youth. Uh, and, and came to a situation where there's very high rates of youth at risk in the Moshavim with uh, uh, many symptoms of uh, low socioeconomic uh, life, such as crime, uh, dropping out from school, kids with all sorts of uh, uh, problems dropping out, uh, involved in risk behaviors, and so on. So the federation in Megiddo is mostly about correcting this long-term inequality and it's really been it's really happening now uh, it's making uh, a huge difference i'm going to talk um, i can talk about the impact in a minute of in both yokram and Megiddo. excellent let's um so currently federation of st louis invests over two hundred thousand dollars directly towards social welfare programs in yokniam and megiddo in megiddo as you said the need that's been identified is these at-risk youth from the moshevim can you talk a little about the needs that have been identified and what our, fund, what our funding has been supporting in Yokniam around the Ethiopian community and what some of their unique needs are due to their history and culture and how they have or have not been integrated into Israeli society? Yes, yeah, so with the Ethiopian community, it's a, it's a whole story that I will try to make short because it can fill a, a course uh, or two, a semester or two in the university at least. <laughs> The Ethiopian, uh, the Jewish Ethi uh, community in Ethiopia uh, was deported from Israel after the destruction of the first temple. Since then, really preserving the ways of Jewish identity as it was in the time of the Bible. For hundreds of years, they uh, thought that they are the only Jews remaining and that the Jerusalem that they've been praying to is shut to them. They didn't know how to get there. But, but still, uh, years praying for Jerusalem, hoping that one day they'll be able to come back. Yes, yeah, so during the 70s, the Jewish Agency and the State of Israel started to create connections with this Ethiopian, uh, community, the Ethiopian Jewish community in Ethiopia. And during the 80s, with a lot of uh, support and uh, sometimes pressure on Israeli government from the United States jury, um, the Aliyah from Ethiopia started. 
really it was like a second Yitzhak Mitzrayim. People heard that someone knows the way to Jerusalem and they just started, they just packed everything they had and started work, walking towards Jerusalem. Undercover, many, uh, most of the time at night, families got separated, they got arrested. They went to Sudan and uh, the thought was from Sudan to get uh, rescued by Israel. And so it was a very, very traumatic journey. As I said before, more than 4,000 people died during the journey. Families were, were, were torn apart. Parents lost their kids. Kids lost their parents, etc., etc. And after all this suffering and all this uh, um, striving, they came to Israel and it was like a clash of societies. They came right from Ethiopia, which is a very culturally rich country, but in terms of technology, it's like very agricultural, very sometimes primitive in technology. They came right into modern, cynical, high-tech, fast-paced Jewish uh, uh, Israel. And this clash was destructive for many of the, of the cultural patterns the, of, of the Ethiopian uh, of the Ethiopian community, the the family structure, for example, in Ethiopia it was very patriarchal. In here in Israel, it was all about women empowerment. So family violence grew. Phenomenon like like uh, uh, women getting murdered became very high in Israel and, and were not existent in Ethiopia. Another thing, for example, is sugar. They didn't have sugar in Ethiopia. Here it suddenly houses with Coca-Cola and all the candies and all that. Rates of diabetes went insane. And so this is just minor example. Another thing is the language. So, so the parents, the, the adults who came here didn't know the language. It's very hard to learn a new language. So the kids found themselves as both translating to the parents and, and keeping after the brothers. So there's a whole range of, of, uh, of kids that grew up too fast and became adults uh, in a very young age. And it, it, so it became a, uh, the major social issue in Israel. And we're talking today, almost 2020, more than 30 years after this uh, aliyot, Ethiopian community still comes up last in almost every statistics, every scale in terms of uh, matriculation rates, drop out from school, dropping out from the army, income, poverty, education. So they came, come up last until today, last or one uh, before the last. So we see that over the years, many of these problems have not been solved. Some of them even got worse. So I, I think for us as Americans, it's hard enough imagining living in Israel, but we can't even begin to imagine what it must have been like living in Ethiopia and making that trek here, and then that huge cultural um, change and all of the consequences that come from trying to integrate into a society that's so drastically different from what, what you came from. And as you said, 30 years later, we'll, we're still seeing the consequence of those. You know, the past few days, talking to a number of Ethiopian Israelis um, and hearing their stories, and these are young people who are still impacted by the journeys that their parents made or that they made as, you know, babies or children. Right. Um, you had mentioned one of the things about the education, um, low rates within the Ethiopian community. But one of the things we've talked about is those rates are not as low in Yokneam. 
Um, and there, there is more success within the Ethiopian community in Neokinam. Can you talk a little to yeah. that? So, so in, in Neokinam, the situation is different in almost, and, and I would like just to say that we monitor and evaluate and keep track of the data for at least uh, 10 years now and, and, and in other ways before, but for the past 10 years in a very methodological way. And we see that the situation of the community in Yoknam is far better in most of the indicators than at the national averages of the Ethiopian community in, in many other places. I will just give you an example of with, with a, a, a number we just got, the matriculation rates of the Ethiopian community in, in Yoknam is 79%, whereas the national average for the Ethiopian community in Israel is 65% which is a major... Uh, major difference and something to be so proud of. In this yeah, community. and this is just one example. At the same time, the Israeli overall national average is, 70, uh, is, is 85%. So there's still, in, from one, one side, the situation is much better than other places. From the other hand, there's still a gap from from uh, other Israel uh, national uh, level. So there's still work, work to do. There's much work to do. I just want to cite Shoshi Zahavi, who was the, the former manager of the uh, community center in Yoknam. She comes from a Yemenite descent. And she said that for her, it took four generations from her grandparents until her kids. And now her kids are fully integrated. They're all, all of them are going, uh, went to university, from her siblings, she was the only one who went to university. So she's telling it took four generations. So our mission with the Ethiopian community, she always said that if we can uh, even save one generation, it's a huge difference. So I'm just giving this as an example because it's a, not a short-term program. It's not a program you do for a year or even for three years and then look at the outcomes. It's a generational task that we're all involved in. It changed people's lives dramatically. You know, we say in, in Judaism that uh, uh, every soul is, is uh, the whole world. And in Yoknam, due to Federation's support, we helped uh, many souls and really changed their lives in, in the most dramatical way. Wonderful. So you mentioned the Family Center. That's one of the programs that um, right. we help support that works uh, through the municipality to really serve um, the needs of the Ethiopian community in Yokniam. Eliad, can you speak a little about if you have an example of someone mm -hmm. whose life has been changed um, because yes, of... Yes, actually, um, the first one that jumped to my head is a lady called uh, Ksaya uh, Shimrit. Uh, that, uh, as Jerome said, talked about that the journey that the family made uh, from coming from Ethiopia to Sudan with all the sacrifices and all the people, the victims that were there. Uh, so when they arrived to Israel, she came without her mother. And after several years, she got married and was violent in the family uh, that created a deep depression <laughs> with her and uh, with her life that actually she couldn't do and be uh, proactive in her life, even like uh, livelihood and to find a job. Actually, she went into, a, into a deep depression that uh, uh, she didn't know how to support her family. Uh, once she were connected to the center, to the family center, she felt someone sees her and she felt that someone can take her hand with a lot of love and help her to rebuild her life. 
So from several stories, that, by the way, the Jewish Jewish Light, this is the... There was just a recent yeah. article on the front page of the Jewish Light. So the Jewish Light, if you want to, like in deep and like along all the information, all the details, you can, of course, go to the Jewish Light. I think that the most important thing that when she shares her story, she says that now, after several years, she has a job and her kids are integrated at school. And her son represented Israel in the Maccabi games. Wow. And she said, I couldn't believe that from the story that I was in a deep depression after losing my mom during the way uh, to Sudan, like a, a long story, that now she's like an Israeli and her son represents Israel. So I think this is like a story that shows the two, uh, maybe even dramatic sides of one story that it could never happen without the help of the center, of course, without the, the support of the Federation. by creating those kind of personal relationships that people can really feel that they can see them and help them to take them from point A to point B to create a change. Uh, and I think that this story gives a lot of hope. Uh, this specific story gives a lot of hope because uh, now when we ask Shimri to come and to talk about her story, about her life, it gives a lot of strength to other Ethiopian families and ladies that say, I can also be connected to the family center, which is not something you need to take for granted, like the, the, the process to recruit them and to engage them to be able to get the support is also a process. But now the name of the place, the, the thing, I don't want to say something prestigious, but many people like know about the center as a place that can really help them make the change. And, uh, amazing story how you know one life could be changed so much by this and now she can be an inspiration to right. others so right. that's a wonderful story Yaron do you have an example you want to share of someone's life who's been changed because of the work that we support uh, <clears throat> yeah there are many examples I will give uh, uh, an example from the Mushavim so the Mushavim is, is a segregated community and for years they didn't have any Uh, solutions for kids for after-school activity and the result was high rates of crime police getting uh, uh, alerted uh, every every other day due to the federation support we've been able to provide a program that uh, that provided a youth guide two youth guides twice a week coming into the mushab having their own space gathering the children around them and we interviewed one of the mothers to the kids and she's saying like Um, my my kid has uh, been through a total transformation first he has now a role model to look on and uh, which is the youth guide who's consulting him and uh, guiding him the rates of uh, yeah, risk behavior dropped dramatically the rates of uh, of the the times they, they call the police dropped dramatically these kids are now, Some of them are volunteering and giving back to the community and the whole situation in the Mushav changed. Another thing that uh, it made is that it made the, the municipality invest in the Mushavim in infrastructure because they said if the federations are providing the guidance and the content, we, we will uh, take over the infrastructure. So they built sport fields and, and recreation and all sorts of things that the municipality can do and you know you've been there you heard them they're okay. saying if we, without the federations uh, uh, pushing us we don't know if, if we have 
gotten to this. And so that's one of the amazing things about this Moshevim program, that in a few years, not only have we seen changes among the youth, but we've seen changes in the community. Right. We see the Moshevim now interested and, and invested in, in the work and being a part of this change. And we see the municipality or the regional council being a part of the process and making their own investment. So that truly is changing the, the community. They are thinking how to be independent. Right. How to take it, uh, like the, Make it be also, sustainable. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Man, many people in organizations speak about collective impact. And I think uh, what the federations are doing for years now, even before this term has been so popular, is, is collective impact per se. We don't have the time now, but it's all with partnerships. It's all about getting everyone around the same tables, addressing the same needs and the fact that when I'm saying everyone is people here and over the sea makes it even uh, more amazing and uh, mm-hmm. absolutely so can you go tell me what would happen without this investment from the Jewish Federation of St. Louis many people would not be in the place that they are today with the Ethiopian family is even it's more apparent because it's uh, it's uh, sometimes the needs are are in, in a higher level so, for example, in I'll give just one example out of many. In Yoknam today, we have 50, more than 55 uh, um, people from the Ethiopian community went through the university or higher education uh, in comparison to around five people like six or seven years ago. Wow, that's so, a huge increase. Yeah, and this is, this is like directly due to federation support. So there you have it. You have, without the federation support, about 40-something people would still be uh, without their uh, higher education degree. And now they have an higher education degree and their whole life uh, route has changed. And they have whole new opportunities. Whole new opportunities and, and their kids will have parents that are grad- university graduates rather than, uh, than, than a high school diploma, which is a huge change. Every sociological research will tell you that the prosper in life is... The most uh, strong correlation is to parents' uh, education. education. So this is just one. I think that in so many ways, um, our relationship and our partnership with Yokoyama Megiddo is this hidden gem. And the people who know about it are so proud of it. But there are so many in our community who do not know about this. Mm-hmm. And we need to figure out how do we get more people uh-huh. to Israel, to Yokoyama Megiddo, and to learn about the work that we do for our community, for the people who are invested in our work, for those who um, are making contributions, for those who hopefully one day will visit, do you have a message for them? Yes. <laughs> so first, thank you. A huge thank you for everyone who is supporting, either it's by, by material things or by emotional or moral support or just advocating in the name of, of the dozens, maybe hundreds of people that were affected by this, a huge thank you. The other thing I wanted to say uh, to the community in large, uh, there is a notion now in the United States that Israel is like uh, an independent state on, a, on its own. They don't need our support anymore. It's a, it's a grown kid. And I just wanted to, to uh, tell you that this is not the case. Israel is a very young nation. We're still struggling for how this country uh, is going to look like, how the society is going to look like. How, how can we really fulfill the prophecy of being uh, light 
to the to, to other nations, and this is not just uh, our task here. The support of the Jewish communities all around the world, specifically in St. Louis, um, are giving are giving us this uh, drive and and uh, incentive um, to really make this happen. So thank you and stay with us. Yeah, mm, oh, my message is uh, first of all, of course. Thank you. It's something that uh, we, you just need to be here in order to really feel and understand the, the big impact and the change that the, the, the donations made here over 20, almost 25 years. And my message is to come to visit us. <laughs> so uh, We know you will make it a home away from home. You yeah, always do. It's your home in Israel. You get to hear us sing and play. <laughs> yeah, and the shofar. And I think that whatever person from St. Louis, whatever program that he comes through, if it's Massau or if it's just even a private tour in Israel, please know that there are people here in Yoknam and Megiddo that know the story of the connection of St. Louis. And now I think that after 20th, almost 25 years, the mutual responsibility that we want to give back and to host you and that you will open your eyes and enjoy from the things that uh, uh, you gave and changed here in our community. Wonderful. So if anyone from St. Louis is planning on visiting Israel with their congregation, with their family on their own, take Eliad up on his <laughs> offer and please contact us and let us know. We'll help you um, coordinate a visit to exactly. the region so you can see it for yourself. Right. Eliad and Yaron, thank you so much for all of the work that you do. Um, it feels so good to be in St. Louis overseas and know that our dollars, our investment is making such an impact in this region. So thank you so much for everything. Thank you. Thank you. Shana tova. Shana tova. Shana tova. Wasn't that a terrific interview? Great insights. And you really were able to hear how our investment makes a difference in the lives of the Israeli people, particularly those living in our partnership region of Yokniam and Megiddo. That's the impact we refer to in our 100 Days to Make an Impact. When you give to the Jewish Federation of St. Louis, you are part of something larger than yourself. You are connected to others who believe in a shared responsibility to our community. Federation is people working together and leveraging our collective resources to achieve common goals. Please visit jfedstl.org to make your donation today. Before we go, we always like to highlight a few of the many events going on in our community. Join Sharsheret Supports as they culminate Breast Cancer Awareness Month on Sunday, October 27th with Pink Out at the J. The marathon of fitness classes includes varying types and intensities. Experts will sample and share tips on healthy food, clean skin care, physical massage therapies, and more. This event is free and open to the public at the J. Steinberg Family Complex 2 Millstone Campus Drive. And don't miss out on a phenomenal opportunity to treat your ears to some beautiful musicianship. On October 28th at 1 o'clock p.m., St. Louis Symphony Orchestra principal cellist Danny Lee is coming to the Mirawood Center at Covenant Place to give a complimentary private performance of two of the Bach suites for solo cello, completely from memory. You will absolutely love this performance. He will also do some casual Q&A during the program. The Mirowitz Center is proud to bring you this very special event. Also, I want to remind everyone that on November 14th, Congregation Temple Israel will host a community action poverty simulation experience in conjunction with National Council of Jewish Women, St. Louis. This was the subject of our episode 12 and reservations for spots in this important community event are now open at 
ti-stl.org backslash poverty simulator. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed it, we hope you will leave a rating and comment on iTunes and join us again next week. Thank you so much for listening to Here for Good.